listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Our guest today is someone that I've known since 1995. I actually saw him speak at a sales meeting that I went to when I was a sales rep for a telecommunications company way back when. Our guest is Stephen Schiffman, and I remember his presentation as if it was yesterday. I've read his books, which have helped me. And by the way, he's written over 70 books in the area of sales, including cold calling techniques that really work uh, and several others. And I put those on the show notes. Uh, Stephen has trained over 500,000 professionals in over 9,000 companies, and he's been a leader in the motivational and sales training arena since 1979. Today, we're talking about how to separate yourself from your competitors, regardless of what industry you work in. This is going to be something that's going to be helpful for you. Make sure you connect with Stephen. We have his contact info on our show notes. And as always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence Suite of Products, Firmscape and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. And now, here's our guest, Stephen Schiffman. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. I've got a special guest today, Steve Schiffman. Let me give you a little bit of background. I first met Steve in 1995. He came and spoke at a company. I was working for a telecom company for an annual sales meeting. I remember his presentation to this day. I've used his concepts to this day. I've read his books and they've helped me in my business. And I want to share his ideas with you today. So Steve, thanks for joining me on the show today. Well, thank you. And Scott, thank you for remembering, if nothing else. (laughs) Thank you for that. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. And what intrigues me is not what I did, but how people use it and then go forward. I mean, you and I have been together, if you think about it, a long time. That's right. And um, the concepts that I learned from you have helped me significantly, especially when you make introductions with people. And I remember the one story you talked about if you had pencils on Times Square and you're selling pencils. Do you remember this? Yes. Here's the the story. Real real quick. The story is if if all you did was you were selling pencils, there's a guy in Times Square that sells pencils or whatever, and he would go and stand in a corner in the subway station and he'd sit there and go, want to buy, 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 want to buy. That's all he did. Want to buy. Just said that. And what would happen is people would walk past him, but eventually someone bought. And so you start to learn that no matter what you do, if you did it long enough, eventually someone's going to buy. Here's reality. Reality is one third of the people you go talk to will buy. One third will never buy. And the real key is the in-between group. That's How right. are you going to get those people to buy from you? That's right. And tell me about that. How do we get those people to buy from us? They're in between. What do we do to put the well, odds in our favor? You know, that, that leads to an interesting discussion about how do you differentiate yourself. I happen to believe that virtually every product or service is really a commodity. It's all the same. All said and done, you have to do what they ask. Well, what they being the buyer. So you need to bridge the gap between buyer and seller. So that's the first thing you think about. But right. here's reality. Reality is if we're selling a commodity, how do we separate ourselves out from the other person who's selling the same thing in the same space to the same person? Because all said and done, if you're selling paper, as a weird example, you're going to go to people who use paper. I mean, just think it out. So therefore, everybody who sells paper goes to people who use paper. So how do you separate yourself out? And there is a difference. And we could talk about that if you want, because it really is saying 
what you do will help somebody do what they're doing better. And what do you mean by that exactly? Tell me about that. Yeah, that's crucial. The number one competitor that salespeople, whoever you want to say, however you want to say salespeople, it doesn't matter to me, business people, business relationships, anything you think about developing is the status quo. Your competitor is what they're doing now. As somebody who's creating business, you are in fact an agent of change. Listen again, you're an agent of change, meaning you've got to get that person, that company to go over with you on what you think is best. But you can't do that unless you know what they really do, what they're trying to accomplish. So that's very different than just going and saying, what do you need? If somebody, they don't need anything, they're happy. Most companies are happy doing what they're doing. So how are you going to pry that loose so that they buy from you? That's the big scheme. That's the real deal. So tell me a story of a company that you've worked with where this was their aha moment. They well, were able to find that out. And, and how did they do that? What changes did they make in their narrative? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I can give you tons of companies because I've worked with nearly 9,000 companies and, and nearly, I'm just hearing the dog. I don't know if you That's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, dogs okay. are great. We are okay. pro-dog okay. pro okay. pro on this podcast. Okay. Okay. So here's the issue. The issue is that I was doing a program and I, it was a telecom company. And I said to them, listen, you know, sales is not about need. It's really asking people what they do, how they do it, when they do it, where they do it who they do it with, why they're doing it that way. And then your job is to help them do it better. Yeah. It's not about fulfilling a need because they don't have a need, but they do want to improve. In fact, if you think about it, virtually every single product that you use or develop or whatever comes from something else. Everything, everything comes from something else. And it just helps people do what they're doing better. That's improvement. That's progress. Progress is improving. So if you can show somebody that you're really interested in what they're doing, what their goals and objectives are, and you can help them achieve that, you win. Right, if you're right. just like everybody else and you say, well, I can do it in blue, I can do it in green, I can do it better, that doesn't matter. Well, so what are some examples of that? Tell me about a company. What did they do? Well, I'll give you a company I'm, I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. I got a call this time from a company that says, we're looking to do sales training. I said, well, tell me about your business. And they tell me about it. I said, well, tell me about what you're trying to accomplish. They said, you know, that's an issue. We're trying to get to this point. So how do you do that now? And I hear it. You listen to what they're doing. And I said, you know, there's another way to do that that I think will be more efficient. Bingo. All of a sudden they listen now because yeah. they want to do the, that's what they want the same goal. They just want to get there. You're not really pitching your product to your service. I never do. Point. No, yeah. no, yeah. no. Even when I do one-on-one coaching, I do a lot of that now. I work with about 10 people on, on a regular basis. Is that what I really do is say, what are you trying? Not what I want to do. I mean, I can tell you what I want to do, but what you want to do. And then I listen to that and say, okay, how are you doing it now? And how can we change that so that it's better for the customer, not better for you? Because you're incidental. You see, I said it earlier, just a moment. I said, really is how do you bridge the gap from seller to buyer? That's right. the, the, the space that's open. So what happens in the prospect's mind when they become a seller to a buyer? What do you well, think is going on in their mind? One of the great things, I lose the word proposal. I don't use that. I never use the word proposal. Because proposal sounds like money. That's all yeah, it right. says, money. Right. I use a recommendation. Here's what I'm recommending, which implies that you and I are going to work together to conclude whether or not that works. We make a recommendation. And I don't 
ever talk about making a final proposal that's irrelevant because you know the first thing you do is look at the last page see how much it is in fact i'll just tell you something on my recommendations to clients i put the price up front first page it says here's the price because then we get that out of the way we move on yeah right interesting the price isn't the issue it's can we do what they want to do so when they give you an objection Mm-hmm. How have you handled that in the past? What do you do? Well, you, you're clear about your value. You're clear about what, how you can help them get to what they want. You know what I said the other day? They said, we're going to check with other people. I said, why? I just said, why? Why? And she said, well, I don't know. I guess we should. Yeah. Oh, really? I just said, let's go anyway. And we did. I mean, it was people say something to you. Why do you take that at face value? And indeed your thing and say, oh, okay. Well, okay. If you want to. I just go, why are you doing that? And there's no answer because that's what we've been taught to say. They've been taught to say that, the buyer. In the buyer's mind, they're supposed to give credibility to what you do. So give them credibility, help them. Yeah, yeah. When you spoke to our group mm-hmm. and you threw that ball back and forth, mm-hmm. that opened up in my mind that this isn't a one-way form of communication. No, this is a dialogue. That's exactly right. Yeah, tell me about that. Recommendation, recommendation versus proposal. Recommendation implies we're going to work together. We're going to figure it out together. Proposal sounds like, hey, I've written it. You like it? Yes, no, maybe in between. Goodbye. You are spot on. It's really you and I working together to reach the goal, the common goal that we both have, really. But I need to know what that goal is. I like that. A common goal that we both have. Mm -hmm. So do you think when we're talking with our prospect and we hope that they're going from a prospect to a buyer and we hope that they're saying yes do you think we should change our wording to this is what we need to do instead of this is mm-hmm. what you need to do what do you think no, about no, no 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 but you're right about it. i mean doesn't that sound more complimentary yeah. more working thing isn't that what you're trying to do i don't understand salespeople going and say want to buy want to buy want to buy i mean yes you can make a living that way i mean i can give you people who are on the street stand there go want to buy want to buy want to buy but that doesn't mean it's going to happen other than the numbers. Yeah, yeah, eventually, it's a retail store. In retail, you stand there long enough, somebody hopefully walks into your store. That's not what we do. We don't do not, I can tell you how retail selling is inside. It's very different, too, the way I teach it. Right. I teach people retail. That's a different approach. Even that is different. You say to somebody, what do you need? Nobody ever says, well, I really need that bottle. They don't say that. And yeah. I'll show you something interesting. No one walks into your office, your retail store, whatever, because they had nothing to do on a Tuesday. It <laughs> doesn't happen that way. There's always right. a reason, a motive for people doing what they do. Right. I think in professional services, I think the equivalent of that is somebody getting the call or the email. I saw you speak. Well, here's, here's an example. I spoke at a managing partners forum in Los Angeles. David Ackert, a management consultant, invited me oh. to speak. And I had three firms reach out uh-huh. to me afterwards, say, we uh-huh. want to talk about working together, which is exciting. Right. What do you recommend when somebody calls that professional services provider? What's kind of the framework for getting to the point that you can make a recommendation uh-huh. and you can show distinction? What's kind of your general uh, the framework? Num- the that? number one question I ask myself and eventually ask them is, why are you calling? What okay, happened good. the day before? So just come out and say it, right? Well, not that moment, but you've <laughs> got to eventually get to that. Now, I'll tell you how to do it. I'll tell you what I do. When I meet somebody for the first time, I say, listen, would it help if I tell you something about me and my company? Yes. 
They do. So I tell them something about me and my company. Then I say, I'm just curious, what happened in your world that day? And they tell you, because I've done something, I've given them something about me. Now it's turn for me to get something. It's my turn to get something from them. That's great. It's easy. It's easy. And I think people love that. I think it's cathartic in some mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're really telling you, this is the problem that I have. Yes. And yes. I think you can help me with this. Yes. And it may, by the way, it may not be a problem. It may be just improving. You know, right. they, they're stuck a little bit in something. You know, and they're trying to figure it out and they don't know where to go and they find you, whether on the internet or in person. However it happens, they found you. That's such a big compliment for you. Yeah. Now you got to say to yourself, okay, what is it that triggered it off? Right. So what, what happens when we're talking with them and we ask them, why did you call? Why are you calling me? We get that. We realize that there's maybe not a problem, but something that's happening. When should we transition to making the recommendation okay, but talking about our pricing? But, but let's talk about something for a second. Sure. I get calls all the time from people who say, you know, we're interested in your sales training. And I'll say eventually, why? And they'll say to me, well, actually, I'm not. The sales manager is. Well, so it wasn't the person who called me. Somebody told them to call me. Hmm. Okay. So watch, I'll show you something. Every decision maker in the world, so I can make that blanket statement, talks to 12 other people. We call it the power of 12. There are 12 people who that person will talk to before they make the final decision. And the person that opens up the conversation may not be that person at all. It may be the person who was delegated to. Right. So you have to think that through. You have to know what the role of the person is you're meeting with. That's a good point. And how far that goes to get to that decision maker. How do you figure that out? Ask. You ask. But Hmm. have you ever gone to it? You've done it. You've gone to a committee meeting. Right. And there are 12 people or 10 people or five people. And there's one person in there who's an absolute fool, has no reason to be in that meeting, but they can kill the meeting. Right. You don't know that feeling. You sit there I and you know go, that. I know that yeah, guy. blindside, what happened? <laughs> because that person has that little job in life to cancel everything. And so you need to know that. You need to go, who are in the game? Who's there? Why are they there? Because there's always somebody who's there who really doesn't fit, but they're there for some reason, like political or something. So what do you do? Do you ask them, like, what is the role? Mm-hmm. Who's, who's yeah, the person? I, I, I start out with that. Tell me about what you guys do and how it works and what do you do and how she fits in and what do you do and how he and why and how did that happen? How did you form the committee? Did anybody ever say, when you go into those meetings, why are these people being in this meeting? What's right. their, why, they picked them for a reason. Somebody knows. Yeah, that's a great point, Steve. Yeah, how did you get five people in a room? Who brought them in? And why did they pick those five people when there are 400 others you could have picked? Yeah. Do you something to think about? Absolutely right. I'm thinking about a recent meeting I had mm-hmm. and whose meeting it really was. And there's a lot of psychology to this, isn't it? Yeah, Scott, did you ever get blindsided in a meeting? You ever yeah. go into a meeting and you're sitting there, everything's going great, and then somebody walks in or they're sitting in the corner and they go, we're not doing this. And you go, wait, what happened? What happened was they never were going to do it, but you didn't know that because you were blindsided. One time I got invited, they said, the chairman's going to be here oh. and he wants to meet with you. And I was really excited. I thought, I thought oh, he came up to see me, right? That's the deal. <laughs> and I'm waiting and I was escorted in and they said, okay, you've got 30 minutes. And I realized, oh, it's a shootout. Mm-hmm. There's, there's two other people just like me after me coming in. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and I realized, oh, okay, they're, they're checking me out, but they're checking others out also. So, uh, 
But you I didn't know to, that. But you didn't know that, did you? I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of the pitfalls that people in sales, people that are business developers, what pitfalls should they look out for in how they communicate their narrative to their clients and client prospects? And how do they find that distinction, that differentiation? What, what are some of the pitfalls they should avoid? The biggest thing is never being labeled a salesperson. As soon as you're labeled as a salesperson, you are like everybody else in their minds. You have to separate yourself out initially. Yeah. How should they think of us? They should think of us as experts in a, in a field that we're bringing to the company, that yeah. we understand something. That's why they, just like the, you get a specific type of attorney for a specific problem, they need to have a company like yours to handle a specific issue. But they don't yeah. think that way because you don't set yourself up like that. Right. You're an expert, capital E, expert. Absolutely right. What do you think has been the biggest change since COVID in how people sell? Well, we have difficulty in getting through to people now because through cell phones and virtual Zoom, it's hard to connect and you need that personal connection. That's the biggest thing I feel. I had a client I'm working with, a startup, a big startup, big IT startup, and I said to him that this chairman, I said, you, you've got to go out and meet people. You've got to shake hands. And he said, well, I don't want to do that. I go, we well, got to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, he started now. And what's happened is he's meeting more people and they're getting more business. That's oh, great. what a surprise. Yeah. 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 You know, because you network and you start to meet and they see you differently. And I think there's a real hunger for that. I think people crave to have that personal connection. And I think it just moves the ball forward so much more effectively than before. Oh, absolutely. Because if you're willing to meet in person, you know, I went up Tuesday to meet with the brass of a client, had a nice lunch, and it was a quick one-hour meeting, and I was gone. Mm-hmm. Boy, I just really, and today I talk with my point of contact, and that just really moves things forward. It's exciting mm-hmm. when you can meet in person, you can do business, you can get to know each other. I think now it means more than it did before COVID. Oh, yeah. I think absolutely. I think there's no question. You just said it. You get to know the person. I mean, you know, virtual is great. I, I got it. I, you know, people don't travel and all this nonsense. But the reality is when you still meet somebody face-to-face, look in the eye, there is a different connection. It really is. And also yeah, it shows you what out of your way. It shows you what out of your way to do the meeting. Yeah, right, right. What's one thing that you've learned this year uh, since COVID? What's one thing that has been a revelation for you, Steve? You can't stop just as simple as that. You, you can't mean? let anything get in your way. You have to overcome it. So if you're restricted in travel, you got to overcome that. You got to figure out a way to overcome that. Not that you're going to travel, but you got to find another way. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like I got a little pup and he has trouble walking. So you put those little wheels on his back leg. Well, that's what happens. Wow. Yeah, but, yeah. No, no, but, but the point is you find a way to make it work. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I think people complain too much. You want to know the truth between you and me I th- and everybody listening? I think people complain. They whine. They still whine. Get over yourself. Yeah, right. And how? tell me about your training experience. When did you actually start training as a sales trainer? You don't want to know. 19, on, 1981. 1981, yeah. And I've been working ever since that. I mean, I started literally by myself, built a company to 70 people. But I worked by myself and I went to that door to door and called cold call. I learned how to cold call. Had to. I figured it out what I wanted to do and did it. And I built that and I kept going and adding and adding and adding. And then I've written, as you know, 70 books on sales. They're still in the stores. They still sell. We're coming up with a new book. We just, uh, I think, signed a deal 
today, actually. So what's the book? What's the book? It's, it's on, on getting appointments in this new world of email and of direct messaging. And how do you, how do you get through to somebody now? What's the difference? But you still have to have the meeting. See, you can't ignore it. If you do ignore it, they'll just continue doing what they're doing. They don't, they don't sweat it. That's their life. Right. So what's your, what's your best story? When you've given all these presentations, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen happen during one of your presentations? I've seen people go to sleep. That's the weirdest <laughs> thing, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> they, they go to sleep and I go, well, how are you doing? I'll give you just a quick thing. This is what I do. When I go in front of a group, and let's say for say a thousand people, I go into the group. I actually go in and I go to somebody and I say, what's your name? And they go, Bill or Joan. And I go, okay, Joan, so you got that name. Why Joan? And she'll say, yeah, I, I don't know. My parents gave me that. I said, but why Joan? She could have given you a million other names. Why Joan? And she'll go, well, I don't know. I said, let me ask you a question. How many of you have kids? And they're going to have kids. How long did it take you to name your children? Oh, I got books and things. Because people do. They get books on that. How to name the right thing. <laughs> Think about it for days and weeks and months. What to name the child? It's a big decision. But most people don't know why the decision was made that way. They just accept the name. But wouldn't it be interesting if everybody said, why is that working that way? Why did it happen that way? How am they trying to accomplish? What was the name Joan? What was that reference to? And all of a sudden, you get a whole different discussion going. Wow. So I asked those questions. I asked how people got in their job. That's fascinating to me. Why somebody becomes an attorney, a doctor, a dentist, a vet? Why? What happened in their world that said, this is the direction I want to go? You don't think that's the most fascinating question in the world? Yeah. Do you think that you've become more curious about people the longer you've been in sales? I've been curious since day one. They want, I, I really, I love knowing people's stories and they tell you if you ask, and it's not this junk that says, well, if you ask somebody about, they like to talk about themselves. That's not it. They answer the question. That's the reason. Because you ask the question. Nobody asked that question. Right. When was the last time someone said to you, hey, Scott, how did you get into this? Right. They don't ever ask you that. No one asks you that. They just assume that's your life. And people like to talk about their stories, don't they? And they because they're great stories. Yeah. They're great. How did, for example, I'm in New York City, so I'm in Manhattan. But think about the guy who's in Iowa. How? How did he get to Iowa? This, so I have a great friend who's in Iowa, and, and he was secretary of uh, agriculture. But the point is, his story of how his family got to Iowa is a fascinating story. But no one asks that question anymore. Right. How come you're from Iowa? From Iowa, I'll tell you, real friend. His, his grandparents moved there from Germany. But Wow. But how did they get to Iowa? That's the other part of the story. That's great, Stephen. That's interesting. You're interesting. I want to thank you for being on the show. As we kind of bring it to a close here, I always try to get three action steps that people can take because I think actions are really where things begin. So what are three action steps you'd recommend our listeners take to get started really implementing some of these ideas that you shared with us? Get to really know the person you're selling to, but you're not selling, you're conversing. Find out something about them. Number one. Number two, understand what selling is. That in fact, you have to have the right product selling to the right person at the right time and the right price. And there are four rights involved in that. Right, right. And if you don't have those four rights, you're not going to make the sale. And the last thing, which is just sales, make sure you understand your pipeline, what it really says to you. Because your pipeline is everything. It's right there. It's in front of you. But a lot of salespeople are using their CRMs as crutches and it doesn't work. 
Yeah, that's great, Steve. I appreciate that. And what are some offerings that you have? What is it that you want our listeners to know about you? Thank you. Can, yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for asking. That. No, no, I do a, a very successful five-week program for salespeople. It's every week for five weeks. We get a 20% increase in sales. It covers how to prospect, how to sell, how to open the conversation, how to handle the objections, and how to close. It's just boom. It just does it. There's, there's very little fluff, as you can tell by my approach to everything. There's very little fluff at anything. It's pretty direct, and it works well. And then we do all the things. You know, we speak, and the book coming out. So I think all those things really add up to really kind of exciting time for us. And what book do you think is the most helpful book? There are several that I've read that you've written, but what do you think is the most helpful book that you've written? Out of all the books, if you go to Google, you see them all, but the, probably the best book still is called Calling Techniques That Really Work. Yeah, yeah. And also Make It Happen Before Lunch, which is a little difficult to find, but that's such a great book because it talks about the need to get up in the morning and make something happen. Absolutely right. Well, Steve, we're going to put those links for your program on our show notes. And we'll also put your LinkedIn and other information on there so people can can reach out to you directly. Thank you for being on the show. I'd love to have you back on, especially when your next book comes out. We can talk more about that. Uh, Thanks for making a difference in my life professionally as well, Steve. I really do appreciate that. My pleasure. Really my pleasure, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.